of heights to the depths of the sea. And so the king said to the Cushite, Is the young man Absalom safe? And the Cushite answered, May the enemies of my lord the king and all who rise against him do you no harm. Be like that young man. And then the king was deeply moved and went up to the chamber over the gate and he wept. And as he wept, he said thus, O my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, if I only had died in your place, O Absalom, Absalom, my son. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible-teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. David mourned bitterly for Absalom when he received the news of his son's death. David saw his sins his weaknesses, his rebellion exaggerated in Absalom. Everything in this event leads up to this wail of anguish over his dead boy. Five times he repeated the words, my son. David wanted to die in the place of his rebellious son. What David could not do, God did by dying in the place of rebellious sinners. So in the cry of David, we actually hear the cry of God for his lost children, his desire to restore, and his desire to forgive. Now here's Pastor Rob. short period of time before they're judged somehow or brought to uh, something like Absalom. And God doesn't owe anyone an apology for what he allows and what he, what he does. He knew Absalom's heart. If there was any possibility that Absalom would repent, I'm sure that God would see to it that he had the optimal moment in his life to come to Christ. But if that moment is not there, and God knows it, he's going to let him go through the punishment that he deserved. And again, that's something that only belongs to God. None of us have the ability to judge that, to understand that to the depth that God does. It's, It's a mystery only he knows. So Joab blew the trumpet after he had killed uh, Absalom, and the people returned from pursuing Israel, for Joab held back the people. And they took Absalom, and they cast him into a large pit in the woods, and they laid a very large heap of stones over him. And then all Israel fled, everyone to his tent. This sounds very reminiscent, if you remember when Joshua, uh, back in the book of Joshua in chapter 7, when they came into the promised land for the first time, the very first city that they went against was Jericho. And you recall that they went into Jericho, they decimated it, and they gathered a lot of uh, gold and silver and things of that nature. And that gold and silver was supposed to go to the Lord. It was supposed to be dedicated to the Lord. But remember Achan, he stole the, the wedge of gold and the silver and a garment, and he hid it in his tent, and it cost him his life because God was like serious about his command. He told him in advance, this is what you need to do, and everything you get from this battle, from this battle alone, I want you to consecrate all the gold and the silver for my purposes. And he did not, he didn't obey, and God 
judged him for it, and they stoned Achan and his whole family, stoned them to death, burned them with fire, and set a heap of stones over them, very similar to what they did to Absalom. A rebellious son, Absalom was. You know, and I think about when I was young, I was a rebellious son. And I look back now and I'm like, I'm really glad that I wasn't around in this time frame in Israel under the law. Because <laughs> Deuteronomy tells us that if a man has a stubborn, this is in chapter 21 beginning in verse 18. If a man has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother, and who, when they have chastened him, will not heed them, then his father and his mother shall take hold of him and bring him out to the elders of his city, to the gate of the city, and they shall say to the elders of the city, This son of ours is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard. And then all the men of his city shall stone him to death with stones. So you shall put away the evil from among you. And all Israel shall hear and fear. Hear and fear. And that's what happened to Absalom. Ultimately, he was stoned, even though it was post-mortem. He was stoned, a rebellious son. Verse 18, back in our text, it says, Now Absalom in his lifetime had taken and set up a pillar for himself, which is in the King's Valley. The King's Valley is that valley, the Kidron Valley, which you heard me say about this. Uh, if this was the Temple Mount, uh, there is a valley, and there's a Kidron, the Kidron River, the River Kidron is in between it. It's no longer there today, but that they call it the Kidron Valley because of the Kidron Stream that used to be there, and then it goes up to the Mount of Olives. Well, right there in that valley is called the King's Valley, and this is where Absalom, it tells us, he says, uh, for Absalom said, I have no son to keep my name in remembrance, and so he called the pillar that he had erected after his own name, and to this day it's called Absalom's Monument. Now, if you were to look at, I, I didn't... I have some photos of this, but I think if I describe it, you'll understand it. In Israel, in that valley there, it looks like a little square building, and it looks like a, a chess piece. It looks like um, a, a pawn sitting on top of a square building, and they call that, and it's there today. You can see it. They call it Absalom's Monument. But they, we believe that that monument was actually uh, created or, or constructed over the original site, which is where Absalom had built this pillar. And then at some point that was torn down and then they put this other monument on top of it and that's the one that we see today. So it's still there today in Israel. You can see it. And so they call that Absalom's monument. And so it says, Then Ahimaaz, and this is where we continue uh, in the, the narrative here, then Ahimaaz, the son of Zadok, said, Let me run now. So all of this activity has happened and now this young man, Ahimaaz, who, remember Zadak and, and um, Abiathar back in the temple, back in Jerusalem, those two sons that he had outside of the city in Enrogal, remember? Ahimaaz and Jonathan. Well, Ahimaaz was this young man here, and he says, let me now run and take the news to the king. He knew the king very well, and I think this man just wanted to maybe ingratiate himself even more to the king. We don't really know his motive, but he really wanted to be the one to tell David, David, your, your troubles are over. The, the, the battle has been won. And, um, and so Joab 
turns to him and he says, You shall not take the news this day, for you do not, you shall not take the news, uh, for you shall take the news another day. But today you shall take no news because the king's son is dead. And then Joab said to the Cushite, who was a, uh, a Cushite is a man who was from Ethiopia, uh, from the land of Cush, which is Ethiopia. He tells another man, he says to him, Go tell the king what you have seen. So the Cushite bowed himself to Joab, and he runs, um, he runs to Maenaim to tell David the news that the Israel army is defeated and Absalom is dead. And I find it interesting, too, that um, perhaps Joab was trying to spare this young man, Ahimaaz. Because remember I said before, anybody who has brought bad tidings to David it never ends well with that messenger. I mean, certainly this Cushite or even a Hymaz, they had nothing to do in the death per se. Somebody else did it. But um, I, I really believe in my heart that Joab was trying to protect this young man, this priest's son, just in case David was in an off mood. And, you know, he, he wanted to make sure that he preserved him. But the Cushite, the Ethiopian, was a foreigner, and he's thinking to himself, ah, I'll let him run. He, he knows everything that happened, so that's exactly what had happened. So, Verse 22, and Ahimaaz, the son of Zadok, said again to Joab, but whatever happens, please let me also run after the Cushite. So, so Joab says, why will you run, my son, since you have no news ready? In other words, you don't know the whole story, Ahimaaz. The Cushite, the Ethiopian, he knows the full story. You don't know the full story. So no, you're not going to go. You're not going to go. But whatever happens, he says, let me run. And so finally he said, run. You know, he, he just keeps pestering him. He keeps, it's like a water dripping on, land, on, on sandstone, just dripping, dripping. Finally, Joab's like, please just run away. Just go, please. Just do me a favor. Put on your Nikes and go. <laughs> and so he does. He takes off. And so now David, verse 24, was sitting between the two gates, and here he is in Mahanaim on the eastern side in that city that we were talking about. He's between the two gates, and the watchman went up to the roof over the gate to the wall, lifted his eyes and looked, and there was a man running, running alone. And I, I don't know about you, but I love the Bible, just being able to picture these things. When you read it, do you stop and think about it, and do you plant this scenery in your own head? I, I, I love doing that. And um, it really brings the Bible to life. And especially if you get to go to Israel with us, um, we won't be going in next March, but the following March, we're going to try it again. Um, you'll, you'll, get, you, you'll get to see the land and you'll, you'll know the geography. And it's such a wonderful uh, blessing to read these things and to kind of get an idea of where things were. And uh, it really helps to, to picture it in your mind. And so David, and the watchman went up, he saw, saw a, a man running alone, and then the watchman, verse 25, cried out and told the king, and the king said, if he is alone, there is news in his mouth, and he came rapidly and drew near. And then the watchman saw another man running, and the watchman called the gatekeeper and said, there is another man running alone, and the king said, he also brings news. And so the watchman said, I think the running of the first is like the running of a Ahimaaz. It looks like a Ahimaaz, the son of Zadok. And the king said, he's a good man, and he comes with good news. So Ahimaaz called out and said to the king, all is well. And then he bowed down with his face to the ground before the earth, before the king, and said, blessed be the Lord your God, who has delivered up the men who raised their hand against my lord the king. 
And the king said, Is the young man Absalom safe? And Ahimez answered, When Joab sent the king's servant uh, and me, your servant, I saw a great tumult, but I do not know what it was all about. So it's very possible that this young man, he, he didn't know all the facts. And when you're sent to tell a message to a king, you better have all the facts together. So Ahimez comes, he's like, he gets there, things, good things have happened. What happened? Uh, duh. You know, he gets the deer in headlights, and David's going, uh. Just then the Cushite came, and the Cushite said, There is good news, my lord the king, for the Lord has avenged you this day of all those who rose against you. And the king said to the Cushite, Is the young man Absalom saved? Do you see what David is doing? He could care less about anything. I want to know one thing. What has happened to Absalom? He said it twice. What happened to my son? And I think David is somehow trying to to kind of get out from underneath what God had told him that would happen as a result of his sin back in chapter 12, verse 10. That the sword would never depart. I think David, in the back of his mind, he's thinking, you know what? If I could just get Absalom safe, I can hopefully avert, at least I can have him back. And David's reeling inside because he knows that all of this has happened because of his own sin. Because he, as a father, he had, he, had, he had kind of failed. He checked out as a dad when he should have been instructing his boys. When he should have been telling them the truth. David just, he just tuned out, wallowing in his own self-pity. And I, I mean, he can't really blame the guy, but at the same time, he knew he was forgiven, but there was so much going on in his life, he just kind of like, he felt no strength left in him to bring conviction on anybody else. Because of his own sexual sin, because of his own murder, he's like, how can I tell my son Amnon, how can I call him to task for raping his sister when I'm guilty of similar things? I just don't have it in me. And he did nothing. David just continually did nothing. And so the king said to the Cushite, is the young man Absalom safe? And the Cushite answered, may the enemies of my lord the king and all who rise against him do you no harm. Be like that young man. And then the king was deeply moved and went up to the chamber over the gate and he wept. And as he wept, he said thus, oh, my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, if I only had died in your place, oh, Absalom, Absalom, my son. So David is just realizing the consequence. Again, there's consequence for sin, isn't there? God told him that this would happen, and it finally happens. It happens. He loses two sons, his firstborn and his third son. And David later is going to lose his fourth son, Adonijah. We'll read about that in 1 Kings. He's going to lose these sons to the sword, just as God had told him. Because of his own sin. God forgave him, but there were consequences. Right? It's so important for you to read that. Read 2 Samuel chapter 12 and 13. Or chapter 11 and chapter 12 and 13. Because it really brings to light this idea of being forgiven when you've confessed. And, and that is a promise that God has always made that when we confess, he's faithful to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But one thing that he will not do is take away the consequence for that sin. He allows that to continue. There's always a consequence. 
That is the reminder to us, you know what? I am really done with this because I'm living with the result of this action that I took back when I was a teenager. I'm living with the result of this divorce and this heartache. I'm living with the result of this pregnancy and this abortion, and my heart is still aching over it. And then you know what? You're going to be in a place of, even though God has forgiven you, you're going to be in this place of just thanking Him. And you're going to be able to tell other people when they fall into similar places of sin and detriment, you're going to be able to speak so intimately about that topic. You're going to be able to comfort others with the comfort that you've been comforted with of God. That's the benefit of us going through trials even. Because if we don't go through trials, how are we going to minister to other people who have been through the valley, who have been through the gates of death, and, and then you know they're wallowing in their, in their in hurt and pain? How are you going to do that unless you've been there? So when, when things like this happen to you, remember that. That God can forgive, and He does. If you ask Him, he, it's, it's, it's an, a non-conditional statement. If you confess it, or actually it's conditional. If you, if you ask Him to forgive you, He will forgive you if you confess it. That's all we got to do is confess it. He'll forgive you, but there are consequences. David is going through these consequences. Very difficult chapter, isn't it? But now we see the, the death of Absalom. Again, a man who could have been so different, could have chosen a different path for his life. If his heart was right, he probably could have been one of David's men in his army. He could have been, uh, 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 he could have been in his cabinet, if you will, and had a very wonderful job, had wife, a wife and, and, and beautiful kids and grandkids. He could have had everything going so well for him, but he chose a different path. And it's true, isn't it, that your sin will find you out, and that's what happened. It all comes to fruition in this chapter. And, it's a, and it didn't have to be. It didn't have to be. And I think that's part of the reason why David was so racked with pain over Absalom. As he's thinking to himself, you know, because of what I did, I didn't address my son Amnon when he raped his sister. And as a result of that, my son Absalom takes matters into his own hands. He kills him. And then I do nothing. I do nothing. And I don't address him for his murdering of his son. And it's all because of me. David's thinking, I just, I, I just I checked out. Wallowing in my own sin and, and now look at my family. And God's like, yeah, David, I told you. This was going to be the result. And so, whenever we sin, it's not just something we do in an isolation. It always has an effect. It always has an effect. And I've seen that in my own life, and you have too. We have all are probably living with the decisions of things that we've made, things that we did in the past, and we're living with those, the ramifications of those choices even today. Even as Christians, being forgiven by God, knowing that we're heaven-bound, knowing that if we were all to be raptured right now, we'd all go. 
But yet there are still things that are happening in our lives that we just wish we could just erase from the record and erase all the effects. God says, I'll erase that sin. I'll erase that. But the consequences, I'm afraid you've got to live with that. And sometimes God in his grace can lessen those things if he chooses, but there's always a result. Always a result. And so be encouraged in spite of that <laughs> to know that we can come to the Lord and, and, and confess to him. We can come to him and confess to him. And just seek to live a life that's honoring Jesus. Don't be like an Absalom. Don't be like a Joab even. Be like a David. Even though he made the mistakes, the Bible calls him the sweet psalmist of Israel, a man after God's own heart. He has that title, by the Spirit of God, a man after my own heart. And you're saying to yourself, how can that be when he did so many horrible things? Because of his repentance and because of his great love. He was a man who had mistakes, but isn't, aren't we all in the same boat then? Aren't we all in the same place? I mean, is there anyone here who hasn't made a mistake? Hasn't done something wicked? We all have. And yet to turn away from that thing and devote yourself to God, God says, that's a guy after my own heart. Because he's messed up really bad, but you know what? He went in about face, and he's following me with all of his heart. And David was like that. And that's the heart I want. Do you want a heart like David? Not the heart of David who did all the bad things, but the, heart, the, the, the fruit of that. <laughs> and then you read the Psalms and you see the wonderful fruit of that life and it just brings us to tears, doesn't it? As you read some of the Psalms, perhaps things that you can relate to in your own life. It's so wonderful. Read the Psalms. Read those Psalms of David and just, especially when you, when, when, when the, you, know, you can figure out um, through study and, and, and commentaries or whatever and you find out a Psalm that's been written while David was going through a certain part of his life, and you read that, and it's just so rich. And you put yourself in the story. You put yourself in the history. And then you read the psalm over and over again, and then something happens to you. And then you're like, oh man, that psalm just gives me so much comfort. Because I'm no different than he is. And yet God is going to raise up David in the millennial kingdom, and he's going to sit. And he's going to be a co-regent with Christ in Jerusalem in the millennium. Do you know that? Ezekiel 34 tells us David will be resurrected. We're going to see him. We're going to be seeing him in a resurrected body along with us in our resurrected body in the millennium. We're going to see him. I can't wait to go up and talk to him. <laughs> Isn't that a trip to think about? To be able to go up to these people in the millennium? To go up to Abraham, and Isaac, and Jacob, and David. What was it like? Wow. I kept you long enough. Let's stand and let's pray. Lord, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for your word, how rich it is. And Lord, just the history here. And Lord, how much we can learn from it, Lord, as we see it in its historical context. And, and Lord, just knowing what we can learn from these things in our own life right now. Lord, thank you that your word is alive. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, able to divide between the, the joints and the marrow and between soul and spirit, Lord. Discerning the intents of our hearts. Thank you for it.
I'm sorry, that concludes our program for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 2 Samuel. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.